Uh, good morning. I'd like to say thank you to Pastor Colleen and to our amazing pastoral staff at Free Methodist for the invitation to preach this morning. I would also like to thank uh, this congregation. Um, my husband and I have felt nothing but love and openness and hospitality from each of you. And this is truly a special place. So really, thank you. Um, this invitation is such an honor to share in the word with you this morning. This Sunday, uh, the lectionary... Can I move this? All right, because I'm feeling like I'm like leaning, hunching over here. Um, this Sunday, uh, the lectionary takes us to the poetic works of Lamentations. It's 1, 1 through 6. And it's not an easy read. Lamentations is a bit of a downer. <laughs> and honestly, it can be uncomfortable at times. The text is raw, it's real, and upfront about suffering. It is emotional. It does not hide grief, but it poetically gives expression to heartache. It is vulnerable. It would be like you walking in on me, absolutely weeping, sobbing, screaming, dare I say, possibly cursing. I would be a hot mess, snot on my nose, mascara running, eyes red with tears, curled up on my couch, weeping, possibly wailing, and holding my dog. You'd be immediately struck by how vulnerable this situation was. That is lamentation. It's a woeful, poetic funeral song where we listen to the devastation of a prophet who mourns the loss of their nation to Babylon. It is marked in grief and dismay. So before I read our text this morning, take a moment, prepare yourself. The text itself is vulnerable. Lamentations 1, 1 through 6, the deserted city. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She that was great among the nations, she that was a princess among the provinces, has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her, and they have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She lives now among the nations to find no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter." Her foes have become the masters. Her enemies prosper because the Lord has made her suffer for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away and captives before the foe. From daughter Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that, God, I will step aside and that your Holy Spirit will speak to your church this morning. 
I pray that, God, your word will be made alive in us this morning. And that, Father, it will truly prepare our hearts for taking communion. We give you full thanks in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we say. Amen. I would like to begin uh, our time by reflecting on one central question. How can one maintain faith in the hope and promise of God when confronted with the dismay, the genuine intimidation of what we humans can and have done to one another? In 2014, a national survey was conducted by NPR, National Public Radio, and they found that one in four people experience a great deal of anxiety and or stress. And these stressed out people said one of the biggest contributors to their day-to-day stress was watching and reading or listening to the news. Are we surprised? I mean, this seems so obvious to me. Every time I see the news... I am struck by how lost we are as a people. In 2016, we've seen the following. The Flint, Michigan water crisis, where 6,000 to 12,000 children were exposed to drinking water with high levels of lead, which may result in a range of serious health problems. In June 12th, we witnessed the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, the Orlando shooting, where 49 mostly Latino people were killed in a gay nightclub. Not to mention the consistent civil unrest of our nation as we try to reconcile why so many unarmed black men are killed by police. The most recent shootings in Minnesota, Charlotte, Baton Rouge thrust us into the heart and the hideousness of racism, riotous anger, and the deep historical rift between some white and black communities. And the sad truth This is just a speck in what we're witnessing in our nation. We could talk about homelessness, human trafficking, the U.S.'s involvement with the Syrian refugee crisis, or even the painful narratives of undocumented migrant workers who lose their lives in the desert and become seemingly forgotten. There are many radical, depressing, controversial events that we could talk about today that are happening in our nation. I think the representative and civil rights activist J.K. Putterfield said it best, America is weeping. All these national issues highlight our brokenness. And that is why I believe God has given the church the book of Lamentations. The text invites us to sit with a grieving prophet who is heartbroken because he is witnessing the dissolve of his nation and the wounded suffering of his people. The prophet's poem is marked by sorrow an expressive lament for how Israel's sin brought despair and misery to itself. Lamentations 1, 1 through 6, is a poetic declaration of grief. It laments the changed circumstances of the city. Once lively with people, now lonely. Once an active partner with the local nations, now widowed. Its status reduced from that of royalty to that of a servant. And the city in this text, well, it's in the guise of an anonymous woman. She's like a lover spurned, like a friend betrayed, and her experience is bitter indeed. Her life among the nations now takes a different form, hard servitude. 
To make matters worse, in verse 5, the poet is clear that they suffer because they transgressed against the Lord. Their disparity was apparently brought upon themselves due to their sinfulness and inability to honor God. It was their sin that brought destruction, sorrow, and anguish. And the prophet could easily say, I judge, but instead he weeps. Because it's evident how the sin of the nation has brought so much suffering and brokenness. And my friends, that, that is truly devastating. To know that suffering can exist because of our inability to honor God. But that is why sin is so destructive. It's not just individualistic. In this text, sin affects the community, the whole. And it brought destruction and loss of life. That is why the prophet laments. And I would assert that we have much to grieve as well, church. We are truly broken. We're killing each other, whether that is through greed or guns or violence, racism. And I would say we as a nation are in need of redemption. I love our nation. I hurt for our nation. It draws me to lament. We, like the prophet, should lament and cry out and say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And like the woman in this poem, who's utterly lost and abandoned, we should cry out, Lord, find us again, heal us, restore us, save us from ourselves. In essence, this passage is an invitation to contrition. This isn't a word you hear very often. The word contrition means sincere sorrow over sin with a desire to repent of that sin. It describes people who are brokenhearted that they have wronged God. They are sorry for what they have done and they want to make things right with God. We have so much that we can repent of today. And our news gives testament to how much we are in a need of a savior. What is beautiful about this text is the prophet does not excuse himself out of the transgression. He includes himself. So we too should include ourselves in an act of contrition for what we see is happening in our communities, in our nation, in the lives of the people we see that are broken and lost. So again... I want to ask one central question. How can one maintain faith in the hope and promise of God when confronted with the dismay, the genuine intimidation of what we humans can and have done to one another? The words spoken today in Lamentations are heavy, and I believe it can cause us to lose hope. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I would like to offer one more thought for us to consider. Appropriate grief allows for us to see our need for salvation. Our hope is in salvation and in the truth of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Lamentations gives witness to Israel's need for a savior, crying out for a suffering Messiah who would offer redemption and hope. The cross is central to the message. 
The cross is not this pristine symbol that we often see in church, but a wooden tree that was stained red with blood and marked by the flesh of Christ. Christ not only came to save us from ourselves, but Christ embodied the suffering of this world through the cross. We do not suffer alone. The nation does not suffer alone. Christ, Christ knows our pain. Christ came to this world not only to reconcile us to the Father, but also to take our pain as his own so that we would have a mediator who knows the pain of death, grief, humiliation, and suffering. That is the message of the passion of the cross. But we cannot stop there. We can only say that in our grief we hope because Christ was resurrected. It's the second part of the gospel message. The cross was not the final chapter. It was just the beginning. Christ's broken body was resurrected, and for that reason, we have hope. We hope because just like Christ's body was resurrected and made whole, we too will be resurrected over our circumstances. In the face of evil, we can hope. In the face of injustice, we can hope. When we see the news tell us of all the brokenness of this nation, we can hope. Because even in our grief, we say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And we hope in the resurrection, and thus it becomes hope against hope. That is how we can maintain faith as a body. We lament the brokenness of our nation, and we should. We should cry out. We should grieve. Lamentations make space for us to say, we weep, Lord. See, our nation needs you. Our communities need you. But we can also practice contrition and say, Lord, it's our sin. Forgive us. Redeem us. Heal us. Restore us. And we can also speak a prayer and a declaration for the need of a Savior. Let the words of the prophet and the sweet poem of Lamentations prepare our hearts for communion. As we enter into this sacred time, I leave you with this quote. That is why faith, wherever it develops into hope, causes not rest, but unrest. Not patience, but impatience. It does not calm the unquiet heart, but is itself this unquiet heart in man or woman. Those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world, for the goad of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. Lord, it really is in your mercy. Please do hear our prayers. We lament for our nation. We repent for our nation. Inspire the church so that we may be hope. Let the words of the Lord be with you this morning as we prepare for communion.